Today's scripture reading is from Ruth, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Boaz went straight to the public square and took his place there. Before long, the closer relative strolled by. Hello, old friend, said Boaz. Boaz then gathered ten of the town elders together and said, Sit down here with us. We've got some business to take care of. And they sat down. Boaz then said to his relative, The place of property is being sold by his widow, Naomi. I thought you ought to know about it. Buy it back if you want it. If you don't want it, tell me. I'll know where I stand. You're first in line to do this, and I'm next after you. And he said, I'll buy it. Then Boaz added, you realize, don't you, that when you buy the first, uh, the field from Naomi, you also get Ruth the Moabite, the widow of our dead relative, along with the Redeemer uh, responsibility to have children with her to carry on the family inheritance. Then the relative said, oh, I can't do that. I jeopardize my own family's inheritance. You go ahead and buy it. You can have my rights. I can't do it. Boaz then addressed the elders and the people in the town square and they, uh, that day. You are witnesses today that I have bought from Naomi, including responsibility for Ruth. I'll take her as my wife. All the people in the town square that day said, Yes, we are witnesses. May God make the woman who is coming into your household like Rachel and Leah, the two women who built the family of Israel. May God make, the famous, make you famous in Bethlehem. Boaz married Ruth. She became his wife, and she conceived a son. The whole town celebrated with Naomi. Blessed be God. He didn't leave you without family to carry on your life. May this baby grow up to be famous in Israel. He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in old age. And his daughter-in-law, who has brought him into the world and loves you so much, why, she's worth more than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and held him in her arms, cuddling him, cooing him, waiting on him hand and foot. The neighborhood women started calling him Naomi's baby boy, but his real name was Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. I can honestly say I've never thought of Jesus like a coupon, but I like it. It works. <laughs> so we've spent all summer talking about people lost in the wilderness, people lost in different kinds of wilderness, and how they find their way home. They're on a journey home to find a place, a new place to be, because they've been taken from one place and sent to another place, often against their will. And the first people that we heard of were the people in the Exodus story. They were they were kicked out, I guess, sent out, re released from Egypt and from bondage, and sent into the wilderness for 40 years. And they had to find a new identity. They had to figure out who they were. If they were no longer going to be slaves in Egypt, who were they? Who, what defined them as people? 
And they were literally looking for a home, a promised land, a place to live, a place to have a roof over their head. And what they learned was that home isn't where you put your head at night. Home isn't where they put their head at night. Home was the community that they lived in. It was the place that they felt safe and secure and protected, and that their home was being shaped and reshaped by a God who said, welcome home. Here are the rules. And then later on in July, we heard the story of the people in First Peter. Remember that community of faith who had been kicked out? They'd been sent out from their from their home, their religious and spiritual homes, whatever it was, some were Jewish, some were Greek, some were Romans, all of them no longer had a place where they felt like they could seek God. And so they formed a new home, a new community. And they learned that the most important thing that they could do was to place their identity in God. And today we wrap up our summer series with the story of Ruth, ending the story of Ruth. And we've heard all about Ruth and about Naomi and of Boaz and of the people of Bethlehem, each who in turn offered Naomi and Ruth a home, a place to live. Naomi was a woman who had lost everything. She'd lost everything. She'd lost her home, her children, her family, the place that she lived and literally could have given up. She could have given up, curled up, laid down on the floor and never gotten up again, and no one would have blamed her. She was desperate and destitute and alone. But instead of giving up, she remembered God. She remembered that God had promised to always be with her, and so she put one step in front of the other along the road. Ruth, we learned, was a woman who was in a very bad, no-good choice situation. She could return home to her family, but that wasn't a good option. And leaving with Naomi might have been a worse option, but she chose Naomi because she trusted Naomi's trust in God. She knew that Naomi was a person that she found safety, security, peace in. Ruth learned that whether she was in Moab or in Bethlehem, she had a home. And today we're going to hear a little bit about the story of Boaz. Now, last week in Sunday school, I got a little bit of a hard time from some people for being mean to Boaz and mean to men in general, I guess, which was not my intent. So I apologize to, I guess, men everywhere. Um, but today we are, um, we're going to talk about Boaz. This is Boaz's week. He is the hero of this story today because Boaz was a sneaky man into this story. He quietly creeped his way to be the headliner in this last chapter. Boaz first appeared as a shadowy figure in a field. And all he did was give Ruth permission to pick up the scraps from under the table. And then slowly as Boaz began to trust Ruth and Ruth began to trust Boaz, he offered her more, a seat at the table, a place to call home. He offered her dignity and respect, and finally, redemption, a coupon, if you will, for freedom. Now, there's a few things we need to know about Boaz. Boaz is not a young man. He is Naomi's age, so he is old enough to be Ruth's father. 
And so this isn't really a love story among equals. This is a man who is at the end of his age and willing still to sacrifice and to open up for Ruth, who is in need of redemption. But I think what strikes me most about Boaz is that Boaz is a man who stood up and took his responsibility seriously. He lived into his identity as the Redeemer, as the man of God. Now, there's a lot of discussion today about what it means to be a man. And I have opinions about that, but it feels a little bit like shooting fire from outside the tent, right? Because I know if, men st if a man stood up here and started telling me what it was to be a good woman, then I would get really upset, right? <laughs> and so take this for what it is. It's not meddling. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just saying that as I observe the world today, it feels like men and masculinity has become a hotly contested topic. And some of the advice, some of the things that we are telling our young men is toxic. I don't know how much that you follow this, but it seems like many of the things that so terrify us about our world today are linked to young men who are lonely, who have no identity and no place to call home. And so they find these homes in toxic places on the internet. We could go through the list of school shooters, we could go through the list of grocery store shooters, all of them have found a place where they were told that being a man means standing up in a particular way. So there's a little bit of a crisis of masculinity in our culture. And it feels like men maybe don't have such great role models to teach them genuine good qualities. And it's a hot talk of a conversation and there is no easy answer. But I know that young men, boys, older men, need good examples. It feels like we're lacking in good role models in our culture, in our society. The people that were lifted up are not great examples of what it means to be a man. And so I did a little bit of research and it seems everybody agrees that the number one factor in all of our lives of growing up and being successful is a positive role model of our gender. Now, it would be great if it's a parent, it doesn't have to be. It just needs to be somebody. And so there have been programs started in lots of places to try to address this issue. Uh, one of them I found is in Miami-Dade County, and it's called 5,000 Role Models of Excellence. And what it does is it matches up young men, grades three through 12, with a volunteer male mentor. And all this male mentor has to do is come and eat lunch with them once a week. They come and they have lunch. And then this male mentor agrees to go to them on fields with them on field trips that normally dad would do, like visits to college. And they give them etiquette lessons. They teach them how to dress. They teach them how to behave in society. And they teach them how to get a job and keep a job. It's sort of a grassroots effort to address this crisis. I know of two churches in the Presbytery of Charlotte who have started a similar program in their neighborhood. And what they do is they have partnered with the middle school nearby. And once a week, they have an after-school program. Boys are invited to come of any age. Men are invited to come of any age. There are no boundaries. And all they do is have dinner. That's it. They sit at the table and they have dinner and they talk about whatever it is men talk about when you're by yourselves. I assume that's basketball and wood, cupping, wood chopping, but I don't know. What is it you talk about? Cars and things, I don't know, <laughs> right? All they do is talk. 
And it's been the most successful program in years at that school. That's only two examples of thousands of examples I could give you. One church started an adopt-a-grandfather program. And all they do is once a, week, once a month, kids can come by, any kids, and they teach them things like how to change a tire. Right? And all of it is trying to address this idea that for whatever reason, young people seem to be lacking in our culture and society positive role models of what it means to really be a good person of integrity. Not performative masculinity, not performative femininity, none of that. What does it mean to be a really good person of integrity? The Bible has some examples. But the number one person that the Bible lifts up is Boaz. We hear his story in Hebrews again. It comes back over and over again. But we hear this story of Boaz who made a choice. He was successful in his career. He came from a wealthy family. He did not have to do what he did. But by all accounts, he treated his workers well. The people who worked with him and his family were loyal. He provided a safe working space and environment. Ruth did not have to be afraid anymore. Boaz played by the rules of his society, but he also stood up against them when it was necessary. Boaz should have, by all rights, given Ruth to the Redeemer. But instead he stood up and said, I am a man of integrity and I'm just going to tell you that I will take this. I know society says you should do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to offer this protection. And when it became clear that Ruth needed a savior, Boaz stood up. Mostly Boaz knew God in a deep way, in a way that invited trust. In a way that invited trust and invited other people to trust God. They saw God through his actions. And he was, by all accounts, a good father. He was present for his son. Would that all of our role models in this world be the same. People who showed up, who had integrity, who were people of God that we could trust. The truth is all of us fall short of that. We all of us fall short of the optimum goal of identity. But all we have to do is to show up, to do our best and to offer whatever protection we can to those who are weaker than us, who are more vulnerable than us, to be a safe space and to sit at table. Boaz brought Ruth into the family because he was a man of integrity. And because of Boaz's actions, Ruth became the 17 times great-grandmother of Jesus. Because of Boaz's actions, Jesus' bloodline literally consisted of foreigners and immigrants and vulnerable people and widows and the orphaned. Because of that, because of men of integrity and truth like Boaz, we get Jesus and we get Joseph, his father, who stood up and offered his protection to someone who was vulnerable and needed protection. So in the end, it turns out that all you have to do to be a man of God, to be a woman of God, to live a life of integrity is to stand up and to show up and to offer a little bit of kindness to whoever needs it. And that is the greatest act of strength that you can offer. Kindness.
your protection when you can, and a safe space for others. Amen.